Informed Dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics, with Dr. Jeff Barkey, board-certified primary care physician, and Dr. Mark McDonald, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. Well, Mark, great to be with you again on another episode of Informed Dissent, available on all podcast outlets, including Apple Podcasts. How you doing? I am doing amazingly well. I'm still riding high on my return back from the Balkans, which is a war-torn country that's now actually surpassed the United States in terms of happiness, which is something that we uh, encourage as well, which is something that we sorely lack here. So I'm I'm actually doing so well uh, that I decided to go back again and I'll be returning to Northern Macedonia and Kosovo this coming Friday. Wow, that's great. Uh, I um, enjoyed following you on social media, all your various events that you're going to and the great pictures. And we'll have a podcast of our own coming up where you can share more about your experience. But speaking of courage and bravery and freedom, we've got a great guest with us tonight uh, that has quite a story. I was at a wedding in uh, Texas in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area this past weekend, and I reconnected with somebody who grew up in my neighborhood. And that's Kate White, who is a pediatric ICU nurse and was a practicing ICU nurse at a hospital in the Dallas area. So, Kate, welcome to Informed Descent. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. And you're, of course, there with your uh, husband, Sam, who's sitting behind you and will maybe put in his two cents worth <laughs> as, we, as we talk about what happened with you. Yeah. So listen, I've been following you and talking to your dad and hearing about your career. And it's wonderful that you had this career as a pediatric ICU nurse. And I understand you were very good at it. But uh, what happened along the way? So I started in the NICU, the neonatal ICU in 2015. That's all the, the only nurse I ever wanted to be. I never wanted to work with adults. I just wanted to work with babies. And I loved it. And um, then when the vaccine started rolling out, my husband kept being worried that they'd force it on us. The CEO originally was sending out emails saying, this is your choice. No one's going to be forced. You know, it's new. It's up to you guys. So I was pretty confident we wouldn't have to um, or that they'd accept religious um, exemptions like they've done with other. I've heard of other people getting those for other vaccines in the past. And that was not the case. They targeted the NICU specifically. They let other people get exemptions in other areas, but the NICU, they said, since we were working with immunocompromised babies, that we had to receive it no matter what. And so you chose not to get vaccinated? Yes. And and how come you chose that? Why did you decide you didn't want to get vaccinated? Just too much unknown, especially as now I'm 30, but I was 29 at the time as a 29 year old young adult knowing that my odds were pretty good not receiving the vaccine the risks seemed a whole lot worse than the benefits that i would um gain from that especially wanting to have more children just so much unknown with that um that's what made me nervous about receiving it and you weren't worried that if you got covid that you would recover because you're young and otherwise healthy yes yeah, for sure. And, you know, you're absolutely right. There there are a lot of unknown risks. And uh, we're realizing, uh, especially with young women, that the long-term consequences are just unknown. And there's so much that we're learning that raises even more concern. But most importantly, is that young people, and I would consider you young at age 30 or 29, just simply are not at risk of get, of, of having bad outcomes with COVID. 
And any regrets that you made that decision? No, and now I realize that I was unhappy in the hospital situation. Um, I thought I was gonna stay forever. I was two days a week, I had my part-time job. I still made a good amount of money, still had a lot of time with my family at home, working only two days a week. And now I realize how miserable I was. <laughs> so you were forced to leave your dream job, at least at the time yes. that you thought was your dream job. And yes. where, did, where did you end up and where are you working now? So now I work at a wellness clinic called the Canary Community and we do detox foot baths, ozone therapy, and IV vitamin infusions. Wow, that, so that sounds like a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And I, and I understand with our conversation we had in Texas that you're in the ballpark of what you were making before. Yeah, pretty close. Less hours, but it's been much more relaxed. You know, I don't start till 10 a.m. instead of being at the hospital at 6.30 in the morning. So definitely gotten more family time. Won't have to work holidays. A lot of perks with that. That's wonderful. And were there other yeah, nurses? getting gaslighted 24-7 at this job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah no, yeah, no kidding, Sam. Were there other nurses at the hospital that supported what you did? Yeah, a lot of nurses, even though even a lot of them that have received it couldn't believe that they were forcing nurses to get it, especially when we were so short-staffed. I mean, they were paying us so much last year just to be at work because we didn't have enough bodies to take care of patients. So there were other nurses that chose not to get vaccinated, and as a result, we're not, we're not able to work, we're not allowed to work. Yes, we were all put on, um, what was it called? Oh, suspension. And then some ended up did having to go back. You know, they have families to provide for. They didn't have a choice. They were upset about it. And then some ended up leaving. Some nurses had been there 25 years and they left, walked away from a job they loved and thought they'd retire from. So they, they, they were basically forcing you to take a shot that is uh, in effect ineffective with unknown long-term consequences. And in doing so and losing nurses, they actually are putting at risk mm -hmm. the patients that you are supposed to help and that the hospital is supposed to help. What, what happens when you're short-staffed? Isn't that putting in jeopardy these, uh, these little babies that uh, are supposed to be cared for? For sure, it's a huge disservice to patients and families. The parents want the nurses in the room. They don't want you gone. They're, you know, they're looking for you. The, they need help with just simple tasks. Like they're nervous. They want answers to questions, and they get upset when we're so short-staffed. We can we're running around like crazy. They can tell the stress among the staff. Yeah. So I imagine there's stories of patients that you interacted with that were pretty upset because you were so short-staffed because mm -hmm. of these ridiculous rules of, of the hospital. Yeah, and having to crunch assignments. You know, normally we had two, three or four babies, sometimes one if the baby was really sick, but having to take a fifth or like too many sick babies at once, it's scary for the patients. You know, that's when mistakes happen. And Sam, what do you think about all this? You see your wife going through this, standing up courageously, uh, what was your perspective when you saw what was going on with Kate? What I found very frustrating as it went along was the coercion tactics that it was evident that the hospital was using. They uh, they formed a Facebook group when this all started, when there was even talks about the uh, vaccine being mandated, the a Facebook group formed uh, specifically for the hospital. And the I... This is against it. The nurse, yeah, yeah. The nurses who, and even people who uh, ended up getting vaccinated, um started off in that group uh, not wanting to get it 
and they would uh, they would announce a deadline, and it would it would end up being an arbitrary date, x amount of months away, and they would say if you don't if you don't get the shot by then, you're going to be put on administrative leave. Well, that would come and go, and that that happened about four times uh, over the course of one year, where they moved the goalpost out two months, two months, and every time they did that, another chunk of nurses would would go and get the shots all the way up until January of this year when. I mean, I, I really thought it was all going to be over whenever, because um, John Hopkins University was uh, um, something that uh, was was sent out constantly in the beginning to justify the need for the vaccine, and then John Hopkins University released a study done out of Israel that showed that the natural immunity was up to seven times more effective than the shot. And when that came out and was published on John Hopkins University, I thought, surely they're going to read there's logical people running that hospital they're going to read that they they did two more pushes after that and um all the data was out and they were still forcing the they wanted 90 percent it was the goal 90 percent. yeah for sure so you know mark listen we we hear this story over and over again there's data that clearly shows a decision that should be made in one direction yet despite that these leaders of the hospital have something else in mind, and I just don't understand what drives them if, it, if they're not being driven by the data. Well, what I've said for a couple of years now is that, you know, after several months of accepting the premise that this really is a medical or data-driven argument, I discovered that it really isn't that at all. I mean, as both you said, Kate and Sam, that, that the publications, and this has been growing and mounting for the last 18 months, have shown for at least six to nine months unequivocally by major respected medical institutions that these mRNA injections, which are not vaccines uh, in any, by any definition, are essentially ineffective. Uh, they do nothing to protect one against infection. They do nothing to protect others against catching the infection. And they cause measurable and sometimes unmeasurable harm to the recipient. So there really isn't any more medical argument. There hasn't been for over a year. And yet it's continuing, as you just described in your plight, this uh, current year in January. I believe as a psychiatrist and thinking about it from a psychological point of view, that the intention and the goal has never really been anything regarding science, medicine, or protecting others. It really has been more nefarious. And depending on the institution, it's been about uh, receiving additional funding. It's been about... Uh, consolidating power. And it's also, I believe, been about purging institutions from people who think critically, uh, people who ask questions, people who are, in their words, troublemakers like you. <laughs> and, and, and I mean that with, with, with a lot of affection because it's the people who create trouble by asking questions that actually improve processes and hold people accountable. And accountability is, is not something that Americans are very good at right now, especially people in positions of power. So when you purge people like you from those institutions who uh, expect accountability, it then leaves you with, a, as you just said, a 90-plus percent concentration of compliant people who live either in naivete or in fear. And those people are very easy to uh, control, to manipulate, uh, to, uh, to dictate terms to. And unfortunately, they don't offer very good care to their patients, and uh, they certainly aren't going to um, file complaints when rules have been violated or when care has been compromised. So bottom line, um, I think it's, it's really, really, really important for everyone listening to understand that 
this has never been about safety. It's never been about science. It's never been about medicine. It's been about other things. And the sooner that we can understand that, the sooner that we can actually respond uh, with an appropriate uh, offensive reaction, which is not to throw more data at the issue, but to actually challenge the underlying purpose and motivation for this campaign. And it is not about medicine. Yeah, well stated, Mark. And Kate, are there other nurses that you know that were forced to leave and now have created peripheral careers for themselves? Um, yeah, I know a few that just kind of went to some were accepted with exemptions at other hospitals. One of my good friends, she just retired. She had a few more years left and she just left. No one threw a retirement party or anything. She was there for 30 years. Like, so that was heartbreaking, but she said she felt free and, you know, maybe it was the push she needed to get those extra years of retirement. I had some friends work at their schools now, et cetera, just different types of jobs. Yeah. So, you you know, you're in the Dallas area. So people that are listening in the Dallas area, you can say it if you want. It's up to you. If you want to share which hospital you were actually working at. It was one of, it was the biggest NICU in Dallas. I'll say that. Okay. The biggest NICU in Dallas. So listen, if if I'm a, if I'm a a mom (laughs) or dad giving birth to a, to a patient soon, Um, it would certainly make me question whether I want to be at that hospital that I know is forcing good nurses out Mm -hmm. and likely is short-staffed as a result of it. Yeah, which is a shame because I believe it is the best NICU in Dallas. The doctors, the nurses, the staff, the actual staff working there. If if I went into premature labor, I would want to be there to be taken care of by those people there. And were, were any of your supervisors or even the, the doctors that you work with, were they at least talking to you in private that they thought what was going on was wrong? Yeah, a few doctors were actually approved to stay, I guess, because they weren't NICU staff. I'm not really sure how that works. They work under a different umbrella, you know. Um, the superv- All my managers, they... Um, they said, you know, it's your choice. Like, we don't want to lose all these nurses. But they had nothing to do with it i guess the yeah when they were choosing which departments they were able to approve exemptions in so so apparently the covid virus can determine at a hospital which departments yeah. are vaccinated and which ones aren't and they stay away from certain departments yeah. is that how it I works so. and we never had one problem with staff giving it to each other in the NICU we never had a problem with us giving it to any of the babies anyone that was sick you know we we didn't have any problems like that the entire time and something I observed um, whenever she was kind of in a transitory phase where there was a lot of girls on suspension um, was there were unvaccinated people that had natural immunity and weren't getting sick when there was a big wave going on. And they were sitting at home on unpaid suspension while there were nurses that were fully vaxxed and were, uh, you know, hardly taking the CDC recommended time off before returning to the hospital because they were so short staffed. And so, you know, defies logic and science in that regards, um, their science and and logic. Yeah. Yeah, Then they lowered it to five days where I had a few friends. They didn't even feel good. They're like, I don't want to come back at five days. I'm still sick. I'm not coming to work. But they were vaccinated. Yeah. But they said it was okay. You know, Sam, I know you study this stuff and love to look at the data as I do. There's a study out of the UK that just came out that showed um, 94% of all COVID deaths right now are in the vaccinated group. And, and most of them are boosted, double boosted, triple boosted. 
And, you know, the, the answer, of course, or what people will say, well, you know, the whole population is vaccinated, so there are only vaccinated people, but that's not actually the case. You know, just, just north of 50% of the UK population is vaccinated, but 94% of the deaths are in the vaccinated group. And so as more and more data comes trickling out, we're um, seeing that these vaccines are incredibly flawed. Mark is right. We call it a vaccine. It's not really a vaccine. I think more accurately would be a biologic genetic therapeutic. But nonetheless, these things are incredibly flawed. We never talk about people being harmed by it. I don't know, Kate, if you saw any people in your hospital, staff, nurses, or even patients that have been vaccinated and injured by the vaccine, but I see it all the time in my practice. And we're going down this tyranny pathway, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense unless you look through it through the lens that Mark often looks through, and that's through the psychological lens. And so um, I know a lot of friends. I have a bunch of patients that have now moved to Texas. And Sam, I know you're in the real estate business. Are you, are, is your phone blowing up from former Californians that uh, want to move to a free land? Well, there's definitely a lot of that going on. Uh, I'd say the perspective that... Uh I can offer more insight on is from the rental side of our business. Um, most of the uh, tenants coming in and securing leases uh, in our in our rental side of our business are from out of state. Uh, they're definitely driving up the market on on rent rates um, because com- coming in and paying fifteen hundred dollars for a, a one bedroom unit with a backyard seems like a still, but for people that have been renting here in the DFW for the last decade, that's double. Mm-hmm. what they're used to paying. Uh, so from a real estate perspective, um, you've, we've definitely got uh, a, lot of, a lot of people pushing into the market right now. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And uh, you guys need to hang a big sign up at um, uh, Dallas-Fort Worth Airport and Love Field that says, don't California, yeah. Dallas, you know, don't California, Texas. I know, right? Because unfortunately, yeah. that's, that is a lot of what happens when California people start moving to areas that they think is better and then they start voting the way they did in California. So Mark, where are you moving to? Well, you know, I keep hearing these stories um, about, and this is a great example of this, of a place that's supposedly in a free state and yet the best quality and largest hospital that treats uh, sick sick infants uh, is um, purging their staff of people who actually believe in medicine and health. And this is not the first time I've heard this. I, I hear this about going on in, in Naples, Florida, which is supposed to be the epicenter of freedom. And yet there's a major hospital system and healthcare system in Naples. And I know this because I was there on site having dinner with, with Simone Gold, who's going to jail in about 48 hours for 60 days uh, for uh, political speech. Um, she's a dissident and she's now going to be in jail, just like uh, you know, Navalny in the Soviet Union or former Soviet Union in Russia because he criticized Putin while she criticized Biden. And so she, they're throwing her in jail. And in Naples, where she, where she relocated to, um, I heard from nurses when I had dinner there with her, with, with Gold and others, that that large hospital system uh, actually is forcing its staff to get these injections, these mRNA injections, these so-called vaccines. And they're not treating patients who don't have the mRNA injection record. This is Naples. So there's a very large conflict within that small city about what is medical freedom and what is uh, reasonable force that can be used to inject people. So my, my stance at this point is that wherever you are, 
you, you might as well do your best to keep that place safe and free and fight for more freedom. Because if you leave and you go someplace else that you think is a, a panacea, you know, a garden of Eden of freedom, you may be very surprised. Things may not be what you believe. And even if it is today, you know, give it a month, give it, a, give it six months. And some of these uh, bastions of freedom may turn into the places that you left. So I, I really don't think that, and I know this may be an unpopular view, but I, I really don't think that we're going to become a country of free states and unfree states. I, I really think that our, our federal system is so impregnated throughout the country that it isn't going to be possible to have a free and an unfree, like a slave and an unslave state, you know, led to the Civil War. I think whatever wins out, freedom or not, it's going to take over the entire country. I hope it's freedom, but if it's not, uh, I don't think there's going to be anywhere to hide, and I think you're going to have to leave and go to a different country. Well, I hope you're wrong, Mark, but uh, I certainly understand that perspective. You know, we had our own governor in California, Governor Newsom, run ads in Florida, of all places, encouraging people to come back to the free <laughs> California. I don't know. Has, has Newsom been in Texas yet? I don't know. I don't think he did very well. well they got yeah, they right. got open they got open carry laws in yeah. Texas, so he's probably too For scared sure. to come to For Texas. Sure. But Kate, we have a lot of nurses and even doctors that listen to our podcast. What's your advice to a nurse that's facing a similar situation where they're being forced to do something that they don't want to do as it relates to a vaccine? I was so nervous to just leave my job. I went back and forth so many times. The whole month suspension, I had a new plan every day. But I am so happy where I ended up. It was all meant to be. Yeah, absolutely. Sam, how about you? What's your advice to people that are struggling like Kate is in the healthcare industry where they're being forced against their will to do something as a prerequisite to keeping their job? Well, I feel for them. I, I was very close to uh, all the uh, nurses that worked in the unit she worked at. So uh, for, for you know five to seven years leading up to this, uh, had relationships and friendships with all the all the the nurses up there and so to see a lot of a lot of them get coerced uh it was it was frustrating and angering um and so i feel i feel for them um extremely and uh my advice is to just you gotta you gotta draw your own line and uh your career isn't more important than your bodily uh Mm -hmm. temple to speak and uh you know i use that both in the spiritual and physical um way it's not, it's, not, it's not worth sacrificing your morals or your beliefs in, in something that has to do with your own personal body in order just to uh, keep your career. Uh, and I think that, I think there's part, you know, I think there's systems that are, um, are, are showing their true colors, whether it's the, the public school system, the education system, certain aspects of our medical system. They're all, they're all showing their true colors in this, uh, and it's, it's a blessing in many ways because you can, you can you can start to identify what team you want to be on, and if, uh, if 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 the people you work for are willing to force you into something like that, force an injection upon you, that's not a team you want to play for. Was there any pressure um, on you, Sam, uh, in the real estate industry? Uh, well, I'm I'm pretty removed from any. Uh, I, I've been self-employed for a long time and don't have, really have anyone to answer to. As long as my mortgages are paid on time, I don't really have anyone to answer to. Yeah. But as far as uh, so, vaccine pressure, not in the least bit. Um, I, uh, I I definitely uh, you know we had a lot of hard months. Um, we had a hard year. Uh, I mean, even right here in the free state of Texas, uh, for 18 months, the county of Tarrant and Dallas both 
upheld and enforced the CDC eviction moratorium. We had multiple tenants not paying us. Uh, banks, at best, if anything, gave three months of leniency. Well, when we had you know a couple of tenants go 18 months without payment, uh, that was definitely uh, depleting of all the capital that we started the pandemic with. And uh, you know, even when Trump was in office. <laughs> the the aid and the money that got doled down was so slow moving. Um, now the you know the PPP program was one thing, but the money that actually ended up uh, going to um, helping out people like landlords specifically, La landlords got a very short end of the stick in uh, in a lot of this because we don't have payroll. The whole entire PPP program for the most part was based on payroll, mm -hmm. and uh, landlords don't typically have payroll. Everyone that works for us is ten ninety nine. Um, so that pressure from all of this was, was definitely what, where it was felt in my side of the business. But I do know what actually the, one of the most prominent real estate agencies here in Dallas specifically forced agents who don't even come into the office yeah. to get vaccinated. And I have a, I have a very good friend who was uh, um, coerced into that to keep his uh, license hung at this particular agency. That's insane. Maybe next we're going to see banks in order to take out a home loan, you're going to have yeah. to get vaccinated. Yeah. I'm surprised we haven't seen that yet. Hopefully, nobody. Hopefully, the home loan uh, people aren't listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Don't give them, Don't give them any ideas. No. Unfortunately, unfortunately, from my perspective, I, uh, I I I see a lot of this tying into a digital uh, currency state and a lot of what went over the last two years, almost being a conditioner and a primer for compliance and uh, unlocking digital. You know, you you have to meet these certain requirements. Uh, in your health pass to unlock your your uh, your digital wallet where our currency will reside um, if uh, things were to change in the like market. a social 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 score like they have in China yeah. right absolutely Mark maybe you need that's it we're gonna turn you into a reporter on the street next up you need to go to China and do some investigating there yeah they would never they wouldn't ever let any us any of us into China and if you did get in you'd never get out <laughs> Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's probably true. Well, listen, Kate, we really appreciate you coming on and telling your story. Sam, thanks for joining us as well. And uh, it's, it's an honor to have you guys on. I hope it's an inspiring story for other people that are struggling as to where to draw the line, uh, that there is light at the end of the tunnel. If you stick with your core values, uh, if you honor your temple, as, uh, as Sam puts it, uh, I think it's important to trust and to believe that there will be other opportunities, other doors that will open, and not to put yourself at risk of tyranny and going against your own personal and spiritual values. So, Kate, thank you for joining us. Sam, thank you for joining us on Informed Dissent. And hopefully we'll have you on again and we can talk a little bit about what you do in your, uh, in your holistic health center. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Informed Dissent with Dr. Jeff Barkey board-certified primary care physician, and Dr. Mark McDonald, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist, informed dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics.